Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Be the best and you got to pay no price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Uh, Jordan, I look at the clock. It's 9.09 a.m. Uh, Friday morning. Um, I know you're very well rested <laughs> after Thursday nights. And man, do I look it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I was trying to think of the right where I stopped at Friday nights because I'm going, what's the word that I even use to describe uh, what happened? I know you wrote a lot of them uh, on our uh, site, The Athletic, a fantastic column pulling together very quickly uh, and uh, and very uh, and it's great job summing up everything that happened on a crazy, crazy day and not just one day, but a couple days. Baker Mayfield coming in, the Rams looking like they're circling the drain for about three and two thirds quarters and then miraculously pulling out a victory over the Las Vegas Raiders. Jordan, I watched it from the comfort of my couch I sat here at the end staring at the TV for about a half hour going, what in the world did I just see? What was it like being in that stadium? And I'm really curious, Jordan, about the reaction in the Rams locker room after a long losing streak and then to end it the way that they did. What was your experience of being out there last night? Well, first of all, we heard music back in there for the first time in weeks and weeks and weeks. <laughs> and, and that was that was a, a telling sign. Um, and second of all, it just what i what i did really enjoy like on a human level is watching all of them process this in real time because it was so unbelievable in the moment and of course you know you've seen all the clips and it's pure adrenaline and pure joy on the sidelines and baker mayfield slamming his head into other people's helmets and you know like <laughs> sean mcveigh doing like the extended Hell yeah, you know, to say it a little bit more politely and Bobby Wagner's really emotional reaction watching the final drive and 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 probably a really cathartic one to watch for the defense, especially after that Tampa Bay game where, you know, there's he's standing right there on the sideline because they don't know if they're going to have to come back in on the field. Like normally they're all on the bench going over the plays and all this stuff. But in that moment, Bobby and that some of the defenders are standing on the sideline because of how it went in Tampa, how they had to come back on the field in such an adverse moment. And this time they didn't because Baker Mayfield goes on a 98, 98 yard scoring drive with a, a touchdown drive with a minute 45 to play. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. It was kind of awesome deprocessing with those guys in real time. Sean McVay comes in and he's like equal parts, like fired up and completely in disbelief about what had just happened and totally bewildered. And like, you could see him start to sky down a little bit and his brain was like trying to make sense of it. And it couldn't, cause it's not logical and he couldn't put the pieces together. And he just would have these pauses in his press conference where he was like, 
yeah, I don't even know what the hell just happened. And talking to Rob Havenstein <laughs> after and Rob Havenstein, he's like, he starts out the the um the interview and he's like real emotional because they won and all the guys are around him and and then and he's the one who's been sort of like holding it together on that line that's so that's so embattled. And all of a sudden then he's then he starts kind of collecting himself and he goes into like football mode. He talks about like what happened and it's just this like verbal stream of deprocess that's like exiting his body. And like, and I'm like, Hey man, I can, like it's, I can come back in a minute. Like I could tell you're, you're coming down from this. He's like, yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it was just, <laughs> and you could sort of see him working through, you know, a hundred different thoughts and trying to piece it together. And it just was really, um, it just was, I think, and then, but, but like underlined by, they just really needed this. Like these guys really, really needed this and, you know, st- snapping a six game losing streak, but doing it. And of course it's the Rams doing it in the most improbable, fantastical, absurd, chaotic fashion that possibly could happen against a team that was rolling um, in the final minute. And in the fourth quarter that they haven't had yet so far this season in terms of production, um, just the guys who stepped up, you know, a seventh, a second, a second year, seventh round receiver in Ben Skoranek with like the catch, one of the catches of the game, Cam Akers on the drive before to, to push for that extra fresh set of downs and then touchdown. Van Jefferson, the first game winning drive, uh, game winning touchdown catch of his entire career could not have tracked that ball more perfectly, especially he had 0.5 uh, yards of separation between him and the, the DB who was pressing on him. Baker Mayfield said post game, he was shocked that the Raiders were pressing at the end like that um, gave him a single high look and, and man coverage on Van Jefferson out in the X and it just, you know, a, a ball. And of course it comes down to a throw that has a 30% completion probability. According wow. to next gen stats, Baker Mayfield's lowest completion probability throw of the entire game. Wow. With the game on the line. I mean, Rich, like he he said it best. You couldn't write it any better, and I certainly didn't try. <laughs> I just I just oh, tried well. to I just tried to write what it was. I mean, it just like yeah. that's one of those where that was one of the coolest football things to watch. Um, just the range of emotion going from three percent win probability to a hundred percent win probability over the course of like twenty five seconds. Um, it just it was absolutely insane. I'm happy for Rams fans. There was a lot of inspiration throughout most of that game to turn that TV off. Um, it was not uh, it was not pretty through most of that game. Yeah. And, you know, I just think it was such a complete effort to, like, pull this thing back off the edge of the cliff from the players to the coaches to the people who have been holding it down the whole time and showing up the whole time. I know we'll get to that, but it just, it, it was so, you could tell it was so cathartic. And for Baker Mayfield, it was so cathartic to win, not just to win in a new environment, to win that way, considering sort of his like football fall from grace that he ex- has experienced over the last year or so. And and to, to get to waivers as a former first round uh, number one overall pick, um, to be on waivers and go unclaimed by every other team except for the Rams than to get to Los Angeles and to just show up and say, fuck it. <laughs> That's really what it was. Right. It's a, I said it more politely in my column, but like it, it, you, the, the most dangerous thing in the world 
for other teams are players and people who feel like they've got nothing left to lose and they're just going to go all in, lean into it and just say, fuck it. Yeah, I wonder if there's almost some lesson to take here. I mean, we we both know a push lot of yourself us, to the brink and then fight out of it. Yeah, sure. right. Well, there's almost like a, 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 a healthy. <laughs> it almost seems to me that it's it's almost a situation where just instincts take over, right? Like, I mean, you don't. You're in this situation, and it, it, I heard the 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 first question that you asked to Sean McVeigh last night, and which elicited a, a great response just about what this what these last couple days were like for for Baker Mayfield and the Rams. And I mean, he, they got one practice. I mean, Sean, I heard Sean say it like, you know, the, a couple sessions that they ran through. And then, you know, he and the offensive line are going over two minute trills like, you know, as the as the bus is leaving or something like that. And it it almost it almost seems to me like, I mean, this is a guy, Baker Mayfield, who, you know, you, you look at his career and certainly it's had you know, more downs than ups, but, but he's a football player. He's been playing football player probably most of his, his life. And, and I wonder if at some point you just, you stop thinking, you know, you just, you haven't gone through all of this. You don't know things and, and you just kind of sit there and go, you know what? I got 98 yards to go here. I got, I've got a minute 45. I'm just going to do what I, what I do, what I know, what I've done my whole life and not think about it and not have the whole playbook running through my head or not worrying about this but I'm just going to try to go out there and make plays. And I think that's a, I think that's a dangerous person. And I mean, that as a compliment uh, that that's a, that's a dangerous person who has nothing to lose, who just is out there going, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for this. I'm going to make these throws uh, that maybe I shouldn't even make that have tiny percentage of, of success uh, rate. And, and I'm just going to make them happen. And, and he did and, and great job all around. I mean, you mentioned that the catch that Skoranek made, I mean, my goodness, that was a, that was a, you know, that was a Pro Bowl worthy catch right there. Hero and then, ball. That's what I say. We say it, hospital yeah, ball sometimes. Right. That was a hero ball right there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I then need Van a Jefferson. Hero. That was that kind of <laughs> <laughs> you could tell I'm only a quarter way through my first copy of the day. Yes. <laughs> we can continue with that if you'd like. <laughs> um you know, and then Van Jefferson to to have the focus that he had on uh, to to track that ball and make a huge catch in that situation. I mean, j- just a, a remarkable uh, thing to do. And a- again, we don't, you know, I, I don't want to put too much on on one game or one one win, especially when we're talking about a three and nine team. But you know, I tweeted last night, Jordan, and and I think this is four and nine, Rich. Four and nine. Well, I mean, yeah, before before this, <laughs> I meant, uh, but before this win, uh, but. The idea that you don't know in that situation what you're going to get from a team. Um, And, you know, I've been around other sports, other other teams, other leagues, and you get a team in that situation. And it's very easy if you don't have the right kind of structure, the right kind of leadership to just go, what are we doing here? What's what's going what's why? Why should we keep doing this? And what I saw from the Rams last night was something that I think they could build on was that. There wasn't that there was the opportunity. You're down by 13 points with four minutes to go or whatever. There's every opportunity there to just go. Yeah, we'll get them. We'll get them next year. Um, And what you saw instead was a drive to score a touchdown, a rushing touchdown, no less. Uh, and then followed by a great defensive stand to get the ball back. And then, as we've talked about, the most miraculous drive that you can pretty much think of. Uh, that told me something about the Rams. And and I would apply that across the board, you know, starting with the the culture that's been in place over the last five years here, uh, then specifically down to Sean McVay and his staff. And then, 
certainly the players themselves too. They're not they're not robots. They're human beings, and they uh, obviously have a lot of pride and and heart in in what they do, and and went out there and weren't content with just turning eight losses into nine losses. So I was really impressed by that, and and we'll see how that kind of. Um, you know, plays out here over the last month of the season, whether they can sustain that, whether they can sustain some momentum. They're not going to the playoffs. This isn't going to be a miraculous uh, situation, but but there's a lot of things that can be learned and a lot of things that can be um, built on uh, from this. So, uh, Jordan, I mean, taking off of, of Baker Mayfield here, I mean, He's now set the bar pretty high. Let's be honest. I mean, him coming in and 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 doing this. But but what are kind of the reasonable expectations now for for Baker over the last month of the season here? And and what do you think this is about? I mean, is this a is this a trial? I, are they looking at him as as something more than than beyond twenty twenty two? What what were the thoughts here? And and how do you think that this could go over the next uh, the next month? Yeah. So when we hadn't. This is our first episode of the week. If you guys tune into the live show, you could hear me break down the the Baker Mayfield waiver acquisition in the first place. But just to kind of reiterate here for those who may have missed that show, um, you know, this was a move where the Rams, they looked at this as kind of like a why not situation. It was at, by described to me by a couple people as uh, a Sean McVay curiosity project, which I think is fair um, to call it that. You've heard his comments by this point of sort of his gushing over when he met first met Baker. And, you know, it seemed like every insider on the planet was really excited to share out the Southwest Airlines story where they sat <laughs> sat next to each other on the flight. And Sean McVay said yesterday he took the middle seat. What a guy. Right. And like, so I think, you know, it, it's he, he was really sort of enamored with him as a player and a person when he was, you know, coming out of college and, and really, you know, you, you kind of have seen Sean attached to guys of a certain like uh, vibe and stature. And like, you know, you saw him attached to John Walford because John Walford was just going to scrap out every practice and had that sort of mentality and a little bit of an attitude and an edge to him and was super prepared and, you kind of see Sean attached to Baker Mayfield in a similar way. And I'm not saying this to be critical at all. I'm just saying it was like very clear that they they just weren't going to really factor in any of this last year and what happened with Baker in terms of what they believed they could make of the situation, whether that proves to be the right call or the wrong call. We'll see how it goes. But I think they more so were like, well, let's cut through your situation that you're in in Carolina, let's kind of cut through all that and go back to your fundamental tools that we think you have and build off of those from there. And this was really a move where the Rams, it's basically like $1.3 million for what they hope will be a sixth or a seventh round comp pick because Baker Mayfield will be trying to put tape together to go get a job. That is a fact. Um, whether it's with the Rams or not, you know, genuinely the Rams really had not considered the possibility of bringing him in um, as a backup. I don't think, I think he will want to be a starter or try to be a starter somewhere. Um, he's a former number one overall pick. He has won a lot of football games. I think he wants to put together the tape to be, you know, a starting caliber player to have a, a good market and free agency. The Rams saw this as like, well, if he does go do that, which they they think that he will want to do as well, if he does go do that, then, okay, um, 
you know, that, that's a comp pick that's really important to us. And they don't have to maybe perhaps if he does put together good tape, he they don't have to go out like completely mortified. Right. And you beat, you know, you beat maybe beat a couple teams. These are winnable games down the stretch for them. They're they look a lot more winnable now than they did when this when the season began. Um, Rams obviously want to beat the Chargers, like all of those kinds of things that sort of factor into it where, you know, this was sort of like a, well, what do we have to lose? move um the the converse of it and you saw some of this you know i wasn't going to base it any sort of evaluation off of what baker did last night and i'm not going to do it with his game-winning drive either i think that it's okay to leave that where it is and and have that be positive and just fantastic to watch and like really freaking cool i think it's okay to leave that where it is because that entire game was such an outlier like yes he can make those big time throws we've seen that his entire career we've also seen the other stuff too so and we we know that overall generally the rams offense is in a very adverse situation right now so basically what i'm saying is it's now what you see moving forward these next four weeks it's not just baker being consistent less you know you're probably going to see less of the outlier games that was like one of the biggest outlier games in the last 45 years you're probably going to see less of the outlier games and you're going to see them try to establish more consistency because it's not just on baker to um come in and get them good evaluations on all of their younger players because he can move the ball down the field and he can throw the ball and he's prepared and all of that stuff it's also on the rams to build a less adverse situation around him and it's something that they need to do it differently than, you know, how history the last couple seasons has showed the environments he's been in. And they need to find a way to maximize who he is and his talent um, during this span and really figure out who he is, not just on the field for the for games, but also how he practices, how he prepares. Um, I think they got a good crash course in that this last week. That was just pretty astoundingly remarkable. 40 hours and you know he's throwing his first NFL passes in a Rams jersey in a Rams jersey and basically what i'm saying is this it's like this was the the risk in this move is that you're dropping a quarterback into an adverse situation like let's face it it's an adverse situation where you may not get a clean evaluation because of all of the injuries and moving pieces for baker that is an adverse situation um for the rams the adverse situation or the risk is um you know, dropping a, a sort of a quarterback who is on the particular journey that he's been on into a locker room that has just been remarkably resilient and held itself together. Now, I think what happened last night was really cool because that is a hell of an introduction to his new teammates. And that is a hell of a moment for them all to experience together, even on such a short-term notice. That's a foundation you can build on, um, especially, again, for the next month. I don't know what it means for the future because I don't think the Rams have really considered the the idea of having him as a long-term backup for them. I do think multiple things being true. I do think they're going to totally overhaul their backups room this spring, whether that's finding a guy in the draft um, to develop like maybe a third round, fourth round guy to develop into like a Sean Mannion type, um, whether that's just, you know, Seeing, you know, seeing, I guess you like they've kind of made it clear by this move that they don't think their backups that they have are viable, whether it's signing someone to a low deal. Um, but I think that's where they're at is, yes, they w really want to get a good, full, clean evaluation for Baker. The most probable scenario at this time is that they net a comp pick for him because he goes and lands with another team on a bigger deal. Um, 
And it also, you know, I don't think that this has much to do with where Matthew Stafford is at. I know that like it's the hot rumor right now and, you know, football people are really gossipy and like it's it's like the hot the hot gossip right now to be like, well, you know, the, it's a spine it's a spine injury. Well, it's a spinal cord contusion and Stafford is in the building every day, he's working out, he's doing all of the team things. Um the Rams were right to shut him down and he needs to heal, but Sean McVay said um, and I know it's Sean McVay and injuries, but he did say and was pretty adamant about this point that he expects Matthew to have a full offseason. Um, the Rams have continued to be openly committal to Matthew as their long-term quarterback. Obviously, there's that's a complicated situation, but they Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford are extremely tied together. They are extremely tied together emotionally, um, contractually. They are tied together. So as of now, um, you know, I, I hesitate into some of that like gossipy sort of speculation. Yeah, that that's really dangerous. And at this point, really not warranted. I mean, I understand why it happens. You're just people get paid to write and talk about the, the league. And and it's obviously a big story. But I, I think you have to go in with the assumption that that's going to that, that Matthew Stafford is going to be back next year. Um, the, the really interesting question to me is, is what you uh, brought into it, which is their, the future of that that quarterbacks room, and uh, I think it's a fair point of of criticism. Um, and by the way, none of that criticism directed to either John Wolford or Bryce Perkins. I mean, these are two guys. I, I understand how how fans might feel about them and and about the way that they've performed on the field, but you know, those guys want to be in that situation. And and they're doing the best that they can. And I don't mean that to be damning by faint praise, but it's like they aren't the ones who assigned themselves to those positions. I mean, they didn't. John Wolford didn't come in and, and, you know, demand that he be the number two quarterback. Somebody gave him that job. Um, so it's, it's he's doing what he can with it. And he has a certain skill set and he's been trying to maximize that skill set. I think the question that you have to look at is on the other side is, you know, w- what what were they thinking there? Um, and they did put themselves in a situation where their number two and number three quarterbacks were not able to come in and continue to effectively run an offense, even knowing that that offense has been some severely compromised by by injuries and, and you know, guys just not being available. I think it's become relatively evident that, that that's not the situation that you want to be in. And I do think that was a little bit of a failure. We, we've talked, I know, Jordan, in the past about how um, you, you can't expect your backup quarterback to be as good as your starter. You can't expect your backup quarterback in in normal situations to come in and play eight, nine games and and have that level be fairly standard. What you should be able to expect is your backup quarterback to come in and play one or two games and and be effective and and be able to move the ball. And and I just don't know whether that's happening right now. Uh, Bryce Perkins, a little bit different story. I mean, he's just getting his feet wet in all of this. Uh, I, I don't put him quite in the same level as I as I do John Wolford, who's been around for a little bit longer, who's been a starter in other leagues. Uh, he's had a little bit more experience, so I'm not putting the two of them on equal footing. Uh, but I but I do think that they have to take a serious look at that and maybe, like you said, bring in a veteran uh, and, you know, somebody who can just is not going to be the most exciting guy in the world. But well, but they is... might draft one, too. I mean, they might sure. draft in the later round pick. I mean, you're not going to draft other than again, other than like the extreme outlier, you're not going to draft a fourth round quarterback and expect that he's going to be your your franchise guy. I think you've seen that. 
right. happened with Jalen Hurts, and that's just been an awesome story to watch. But that's an outlier. You know, the backup that wins you the championship game is the outlier. The Rams, it, when they're dealing with the type of roster build they have, they're not dealing with outliers. They're dealing with the mean on a lot of those positions, including backup quarterback. So I think one of the fair criticisms to lob to lobby here at or to to sort of say about this and maybe it's a reflection of the staff or the communication internally um, is I think that it's fair to criticize the clear divide between what works for John Walford and what works for Bryce Perkins Mm. and a commitment to John Walford because he runs quote unquote, the Rams system and has, and like runs the 2017, 2018, 2019 version of that offense um, and can move a little bit, but not like Bryce and has done it very well in practice, you know, meeting scout team has run the scout team really well for the last few years, but then also, and, and, and it's, and so I'm not, it's not a criticism that he can do all those things, but then also when you have a guy like Bryce and you're keeping him on the roster, you're not you, you don't have a clear and sustainable plan for building around what he does best as a backup um in that offense so like if baker mayfield isn't waived and becomes available and we're looking at an alternate universe here you're still looking at like this massive sort of disconnect between what the staff has planned for john walford and then sort of dropping bryce perkins into that with a couple of like you know, design, more designed run plays, things like that, instead of really building around the types of concepts from a fundamentally run heavy perspective, not that the quarterback will be running, but that you're setting up sort of that positionless run game, which they have done in pieces this year with Ben Skronik and with, right. with Brandon Powell. And you're setting up that type of plan around the quarterback and going fully into it. You've seen, it's like, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if it's like internal or what, but like, there's a there's a disconnect between what the plan it's like okay band-aid one guy's a band-aid and the other guy like there's no cohesion and there's no plan to you know on, on the field to really see you know what you can build and sustain and that was sort of my criticism about the situation pre mayfield was like you know that if you're going to keep a guy on the roster like that um have a plan for him And, you know, some of it probably is on Bryce too. It's really hard to develop in that position when you're running the scout team, some of the scout team stuff, a lot of times you're throwing to guys and drills and a lot of things that the QB three does, like it's, it's difficult to do that. Um, But at the same time where I see a lack of vision for Bryce Perkins, it also sort of, to me reflects on maybe a lack of uh, cohesion within the staff. And maybe there's different focuses in different areas. A lot of times, that's been really heavy focused on the, the you know, the, the the starting quarterback and the Sean McFay system and, and Sean and all this stuff. And so, you know, there, it just seems disappointing to me that, um, you know, let's say we're looking at an alternate universe. I think that in terms of like, I think you, you've seen now what John, it, who John is and what he can do. I don't think we've seen who Bryce is and what he can do fully on a sustainable level. I think we've seen, some great plays, some bad plays, some concern about his arm, some good throws, but we haven't seen sustainable, like a plan and like full support and cohesiveness around him. And I think that's, you know, at this point, you're probably just better off just blowing that, that room up and building over again. Yeah. That, that Hiring John as a, as a coach, probably frankly. <laughs> like Yeah. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, I agree with you. And that that's a great point. Like, I don't I don't necessarily think they need to move on from Bryce Perkins. Um, I think they could keep him as what they intended him to be. But but like you said, Jordan, there, there's got to be a plan there. Um, and and I'm not really sure that they have the maximized that or this. This wasn't clearly this. This, this wasn't what they wanted to happen. Like they, they didn't want to end up in this situation where Bryce Perkins is out there trying to run an offense for four quarters and and um you know, we're trying to trying to move the ball down the field the way that they have in the pet. That, that was not part of the plan. But but I think if you're going to have the guy on the roster, like put him out there for a package, you know, get get him a package of plays in the, in the normal context of your offense. When when Matthew Stafford is your quarterback, uh, you, we've seen the way that that other quarterbacks get used. I mean, we saw the Rams play the Saints and what, the, how Taysom Hill is able to come in and and uh, be effective at times. It's also been shown that when Taysom Hill is their number one quarterback, that doesn't really work but he works in a certain context and, and is able to bring something to their offense that, that their other quarterbacks don't bring. And I, I don't necessarily think that what we've seen over the last few weeks means that Bryce Perkins can't do that. It's just that I don't think he's been put in those situations that are going to maximize that for him. So I think you have to either go two way, one of two ways with it. You have to either, like you said, Jordan, blow up the whole thing, uh, come back with an entirely new outlook strategy players in, in that room, or you you maybe keep Bryce Perkins, but say, hey, we're going to be more strategic with this. We're going to you know have a plan for for how we can utilize the skill set um, so that 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 roster spot is is valuable. So it's yeah, it's interesting, and, and that's the thing yeah. too. There, there's also you know there's been a commitment. It seems like to Bryce Perkins over the last couple of years by the front by like the executives and the the front office and the personnel people because they've kept him on the active roster um, in part because other teams were lurking on the waiver wires. They wanted to claim him. Um, The Rams were excited about him. Um, And it sort of all of that sort of like Peter seems to Peter out once the actual game planning starts. And what's once everyone, I don't want to say gets distracted because it's really hard. It's a lot of work and I'm not saying that at all. Um, But the actual development part, like, I don't know. It just sort of seems to like just gas out at a certain point. And I, I you know, I, I think that's in a season like this, that's really hard because you don't expect you're going to need your backups for as long of a stretch as the Rams have needed their backups. But um, I think they've, they're learning a lot. Sean McVay said this a few times this year. Um, <laughs> they're learning a lot about the uh, gaps that they've left that they need to fill. Mm, yeah. Which is important. I mean, that that's, it's important to look at that and be honest with yourself. Um, so, so I give them credit for that. It's going to be a, a fascinating off season, but you know, Jordan, just to, to put the kind of uh, bow on, on uh, Baker Mayfield. And, and I mean, I think you, you touched on it on, on your answer too, is, um, this is going to be really interesting. I mean, not only from the Rams perspective, but from from Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's got the eyes of the NFL on him right now. I mean, literally after you, what you you do, what you do on a, a Thursday night game. But I, I don't think that's been the question about 
Baker Mayfield. I mean, everybody knows he's capable of that. Everybody knows that he has physical gifts and and can make magical moments happen. Uh, I, I think what's going to be fascinating here is over this last month of the season, that word that you used, consistency. Yeah. And and can this, you know, knowing what this team looks like right now and, and you know, knowing what the offensive line looks like and everything else. But but can you and I'm not saying work magic every week. I'm not saying consistently work magic every week. But but can you consistently show that you have the ability to to run this team, to run this offense, uh, to to be an NFL starting quarterback. He's got a real opportunity here, and and that's really all you can ask for for somebody in his situation is to show that he can do that, to show that he earns a spot. So uh, that that he's obviously very motivated. Uh, I know there's other guys as as we get closer to the end of the season. Uh, you know, guys are playing for their jobs. Guys are playing for uh, you know maybe an invite to training camp next year, things like that. So there, there's a lot of motivation going on uh, over the over the you know last month of the season here. And by the way, Jordan, just to put a, a bullet point on the on the last drive there, did you notice? And I think you did. What kind of defense the Raiders <laughs> were playing? A shocking one, Rich. A shocking one. And and it didn't work. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. This league is hard. This league is hard. It's like such an oversimplified way. The Raiders did not play prevent in a two minute with the Rams when the Rams had no timeouts left. Right. And the Rams moved the ball 98 yards down the field and scored. They got helped by two penalties. Yes. We're going to like just say it is what it is. Like, yeah, I don't argue like I'm not as you guys know, I'm just not one of those people that just and I'm not saying like it's a bad thing. I think there were some crazy calls in that game last night. I I hear you. I agree with you. Like on either side that it just was such a flag happy game. The ref, the head ref was a mess from the second he came out and like botched the the verbiage of the coin toss. Like the dude was a mess. I heard All that. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. this guy was a mess. Okay. He's like throwing his hat because he can't find his flag. Like this dude is a mess. Okay. So I'm not like disagreeing with any of that. We're going to just look at the football. We're not going to look at like those two calls specifically. I think that, um, you know, you obviously like the, the, like slamming the football out of someone's hands or whatever. Like, obviously if you do that in front of a ref, it's going to get called 10 times out of 10. Um, So that was, you know, Jerry Tillery, uh, former Los Angeles charger, like didn't help his team in that regard. But all of that aside, um, you know, and the ref, the roughing call, you know, like, again, it's like physical, physical, physical play. Like, again, it's happening right in front of the ref. Like, okay, fine. But so yes, they're helped along by the two the two penalties, but they're playing prevent or they're not playing prevent, right? Um, or even like zone, like no. not even necessarily prevent, but like they're not even playing zone with the end zone behind them, and like I, you know, I think the Raiders have done some really incredible stuff on defense this year, and they should be applauded for that. And they're really smart, smart, smartly coached, well coached team on that side of the ball. But I echo, I echo that. I'm like shocked that you. And they're clearly daring Baker to beat them. And he did. And that's the thing. You're damned if you do. And you're damned if you don't. So like in a converse situation, it's Baker Mayfield on that side. And you're daring Baker Mayfield to beat you by manning up and playing single high. And then you're, you're manning up van on the outside and ISO. And like, imagine if it was Tom Brady and you, right. And you manned up. (laughs) Right. Like, like it's, it could have been, 
probable that Baker Mayfield does not beat you in that situation. Right. right. Tom Brady is going to beat you if you're if you're in press in that situation. Anyway, we're, we're saying this because it's like a deep irony. This league, it just is it's difficult and anything could happen. It's like five or six plays per game that change the outcome of every game. And that was one of them. That was a decision. That was one of them. Um, Baker Mayfield said it multiple times. He was shocked. They were impressed. It's just standard general football practice to be in a prevent right. in a two minute like that um, to try, especially with, with no timeouts to try to keep the team on the field, um, to try to make sure that they're not going out of bounds to try to keep the clock moving, um, to try to make them sprint up to set the line of scrimmage, like all of those types of things on, on a silent count, all of those things that the, that the Rams overcame on that drive that the Raiders defense was not. And I just, it's just interesting because it's like the same thing that Raiders fans are in the, on the inverse that Raiders fans are slamming rightfully the Raiders for um, Rams fans were rightfully, I think at the time in terms of the execution error, not, not in terms of the plan were slamming the Rams for when Tom Brady uh, did essentially the same thing with, you know, less time and less yards to go. It's yeah. just crazy. Like stuff like this. I mean, it's been a chaotic year. The irony does not, uh, does not pass me by. Um, <laughs> it's not to say guys that everything's been perfect. It's not no. to say that there aren't execution errors. You saw them again. Right. Uh, last night, but I think the defense, it just kept showing up last night. And and you saw this in, in the Seattle game too, Bobby Wagner setting a certain type of tone. He's one of the few stars that is still on the field at this point. And, you know, Jalen Ramsey has had a mercurial year and Bobby has been one of the few consistencies that this team can count on day after day after day after day. And, you know, that's not to discount the work Jalen does behind the scenes because he does a lot of stuff that people don't see in terms of trying to get these young corners who are who have been very inconsistent up to speed. But in terms of on the field, snap in, snap out, same level of energy, same level. You saw it spike against Seattle, I think rightfully so. It's an emotional game. But Bobby Wagner, I mean, you can't ask for a backbone better than that. Yeah, that that's one move. I mean, we... You know, we just spent quite a bit of time talking about the backup quarterback situation. And I know earlier in the year, we, you know, we debated the Allen Robinson situation. But I mean, bringing in Bobby Wagner, they they clearly had a thought and a plan. And it, look, nothing ever goes exactly the way that you you think it would. But from my perspective, Jordan, that's exactly what they wanted out of Bobby Wagner. When, when you talk about the combination of on-field play and what he does on the sideline, what I'm sure he does in the locker room when nobody is allowed to see that. I think it's exactly what they had in mind. And it's not a surprise. Everybody knows what Bobby Wagner has been uh, over the past years in, in Seattle and, and what kind of person he is and what kind of player he's been. Uh, you just you never know exactly how that's going to translate when you go to a new team and a new building and a whole new situation. But But to me, that worked out exactly the way that you would have hoped it would and it's unfortunate if you're the rams that it kind of gets lost in this in this season of obviously there's so much going wrong and so much on the other side of the ball that that you just can't fix but uh that's a great move 
And uh, it's it's a move that if, if things were better on the other side of the ball with with injuries and, and all of that, then you would really see the impact of it, I, I think. Um, and it's a little bit unfortunate that we're that we're not able to, you know, kind of see the translation there. But uh, yeah, Bobby Wagner, 14, led the team 14 tackles uh, last night, wow, obviously, 14. Back, like on a short like yeah. one of the criticisms of Bobby was that he's aging out. This was like one of the reasons Seattle like parted ways with him. And on a short week, right after he had a two sack, one interception game, I think it was like six tackles, uh, three for loss, um, two sacks and interception against Seattle. And then also then followed that on a short week with a 14 tackle game, um, against a really, you know, tough to defend multiple, fr- like multiple offense Raiders team that had been running all over people previous to this. Um, there's a really great clip. Uh, it's kind of floating around, but there's a really great clip on a, it was like a third and one, I think it was. I'd have to go back and look specifically where Derek Carr stays checked into the run because, um, Bobby and Ernest switch places very quickly. Um, and Derek Carr stays checked into the run and you can hear him going, we're good. We're good. And Bobby puts his hand up and does the come and get it kind of thing. And then makes the run stop. There's like, it's a really cool clip. It's basically like a defense that they need that. Like this defense has been, yes, very inconsistent in phases. And the one place where they have not been inconsistent is how they have avoided game breaking runs how they've defended the run, um, you know, they're, they entered the week like fifth, fourth or fifth in run DVOA. They entered Seattle week and fourth in in um, run DVOA, run defense, and then first in defensive EPA per rush. Um, obviously, outstanding effort, Bobby Wagner being a huge part of that. Even with Aaron Donald not on the field these last two weeks, um, even with Ashawn Robinson not on the field these last two weeks, the Rams have still set Bobby, who should not be moving sideline to sideline on every snap anyway, at this point in his career, they've really done a good job setting him up for success in those type of plans where it's like the old coaching saying, you put your A plus players in their A plus positions. And that's his is filling the run, particularly a lot of those inside concepts and filling it at point of contact. So you're not getting the, the yak and you're seeing that on a lot of those short downs that he's able to do. On a holistic level, I think it's really important that we don't gloss over his effort, even though this is all about the offense. This game was like a breakthrough for the Rams offense, especially with as much as they've struggled in the pieces. And but I think it's important like that that fourth quarter was really, really complimentary in a way that this this team desperately needed. There's the stop, you know, the, that third and one stop. Yeah. Um and, and and let's not let's not underscore either. Like Josh Jacobs had been running over everybody. Um, the last few weeks at a, at an historic rate. And yes, he had 99 yards, but it's 3.7 yards per carry. So it's 99 yards. And he had to pay, he had to really battle for every single one of those really pick away at every single one of those, you know, outside a couple of, of, of longer, like outside zone stuff where Michael Hoyt didn't seal the edge well. And then they adjusted, they put Keir Thomas in and then he had a run stop. So I think, I thought that was interesting to watch a couple of smart people on Twitter pointed that out um, as well. And it, it just was really interesting to watch. It's just like, you know, you you can talk about all of the schematic shortcomings. I don't like like I keep saying, like, this is not what this 
defensive scheme is supposed to look like for a variety of different reasons, uh, not, not the least some of the personnel issues they've had um, and, and not the least some of the growing pains that they're experiencing. But also, um, they just don't quit. They just do not quit. Right. And right. I got to say, like, you know, you hear over and over again, like when a group is struggling on this roster and for a while it was the offensive line and they're still struggling, don't get me wrong, but you'd hear about whose office they were going into, hmm. you know, you'd hear about, you know, Rob Havenstein getting advice from Raheem Morris about, you know, players only meetings. And you'd hear um, about like how players who felt isolated would go gravitate toward that space. And so for all of the growing pains and all of the criticism, which at times I do think is fair. And at times I think is absurd, um, especially in this hellscape of a season that they're dealing with. Um, it's been interesting to see like, who has come forth and sort of emerged as leadership, not necessarily always in the most impactful position. And I think that's goes again for Bobby, not necessarily always the most impactful position, but the undercurrent of that backbone that has been there, that has been really important in emerging on the defensive side um, in a variety of ways and not just from the players, um, from the coordinators as well. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh Great points, Jordan. And and that's just it's stuff that doesn't always show up on the surface. And sometimes it does. And, and sometimes it, it doesn't immediately. Uh, but but you can you can absolutely uh, uh, see the impact. I mean, I, I think of what, you know, Andrew Whitworth meant to the Rams back in in 2017 when, when they brought him in. And it's I'm not drawing a, a exact parallel. There's a lot of different situations there and different. Man, they could use Andrew Whitworth hanging around that building in a year yeah. like this though my goodness they, they yeah. you know they're missing they're missing that yeah. cohesion you know right they were right. missing it on the offensive side i'm not saying that there's offensive guys are bad leaders at all i'm not saying that at all but you right. lose that many people yeah and like who's holding that thing together you know yeah. exactly and that, that's a hard thing to put a uh, to put on paper you know, like you can't there's there's no mathematical equation that 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 makes sense there. I mean, yeah, it's just, if, you, yeah. if you're working so hard to please the head coach and to find answers for the head coach, how are you then also dedicating your time to being a glue person in there? You know, like and right. so for all he had so many assistants this year and I don't I can honestly say and I, I, I do not mean this as a as a slam. I think it, it a lot of it is just lost in the chaos of the season. He had like crazy amounts of offensive assistance he's got he had jay gruden consulting from the outside uh, allegedly like all of this stuff and i can't i cannot name one of them who other than thomas brown who has been there and been sort of that steady guy i right. can't name and and i think you're gonna see like zach robinson emerge at, because zach robinson i i hear was really really crucial in getting Baker up to speed, you know, because you have to game plan too. And so like the head coach and the OC are game planning and you have to get the the new quarterback who just got into town. You have to get them up to speed. And, but, but it's been really, it's felt really, uh, you know, there's felt, it's felt kind of disconnected on that offensive side mm, this entire yeah. year. And, and I know that's like, you can't really quantify a vibe check, but right. it's really like, it's really felt like that for all of the, the, the ideas that they were supposed to have being pushed in. And then I think a lot of it, it comes with, well, all of a sudden now you're just backpedaling, you're in scramble drill the every single week, week over week over week. And when you're trying so hard to plan around chaos, like complete personnel chaos, and you're trying to please the head coach with, you know, those game plans and all that type of stuff. 
what get what falls through the cracks in that regard? When is it that you miss, you know, an Andrew Whitworth holding things together? Um, just a presence that that's there. And I think right. that's why you've seen this defense hold together in the way that it has, because not only are they quite literally separate <laughs> from, right. you know, having to deal with that chaos, they also lost a lot less. They had some personnel issues, granted, but they lost a lot less in a, short, you know, wh- longer or shorter amount of time. And they also, you know, it's kind of, it's, you're in a, a space where you have like a former head coach in there who is, who's been through it, who's been through some lousy seasons, by the hmm. way, and who also doesn't really care, um, you know, if, he's not going to rise and fall with the temperature of the head coach is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the dynamic there is very interesting because your, your first instinct might be to say, well, the more brain power you can have in there, the better. And the, I think there is some truth to that. Uh, but, but you also need to kind of harness that brain power the right way and, and harness that leadership and make sure that it's, it's cohesive. Um, and, and that's something that, uh, I would say it's it's fair to say that the Rams uh, probably want to take a look at that this offseason. And by well, the way, I think they will. I think uh, they yeah, will. I was going to yeah. say, well, <laughs> it, it dovetails nicely into kind of where we wanted to, to end here a little bit, which is that um, this morning and again, Friday morning uh, report out, I, I believe, uh, first from uh, Chris Mortensen of, of ESPN um, saying that uh, offensive coordinator Liam Cohen uh, plans to go back to the University of Kentucky as offensive coordinator, which is obviously where he spent the 2021 20, uh, season. Um, if that ends up happening, uh, Chris Mortensen is impeachable as a reporter. Uh, it's going to have there's going to be some dominoes there, Jordan. Uh, so, I, I mean, first of all, if that does happen, are, are you surprised at all about that? I mean, we see these these younger coaches move around all the time. They're trying to find their best path uh, uh, forward. So, I mean, how, how does that hit you, first of all? And and second of all, do you do you have any early thoughts kind of uh, about that domino effect and, and kind of how that plays into what we were just talking about here with the staff? Um, less surprised, understanding a little bit more as time has passed about what the nature of that job, you know, under McVeigh actually looks like um, and what it it would have probably felt like in a season like this. Um, definitely less surprise, less surprise hearing um, how I, I, you know, over the last couple of weeks had heard about how hard Kentucky was planning to pursue him. Um, great opportunity for, for Liam and his young family, um, you know, and, and so these are all like nothing's ever official until the paperwork is signed. Right. And it's one of those things where people will probably drag their feet about it publicly because there's the Rams are still in season. Um, but you also saw other changes um, as well in terms of Rashad samples uh, accepting the um, receivers uh, coach and passing game coordinator job at Arizona state university, my alma mater. Um, I reported that move earlier this week, which kind of got lost in the rest of the chaos of the week. But, it did, um, yeah. you know, Rashad had colleges coming after him, you know, right up until he took the job with the Rams and then right after that, too. Um, so especially considering, like I said, the nature of the role, the way that it went and then the, you know, substantial nature of these college programs and what they're offering coaches at this point. Um, it's, it doesn't surprise me as much. And I think he, especially for Rashad getting a chance to be more involved in the passing game, which is where his background is. Um, that's important. And I asked Sean on Monday about his coaches and has he gotten enough from his assistants? Has he done enough to provide clarity and communication to those assistants? 
um, I was kind of not stunned, but I, I was not expecting him to be as reflective, openly reflective as he was. And he basically was like, it's been a real, it's been really hard getting everybody up to speed in such a short amount of time when he had less of an off season than he usually does to really gather around. Sean McVay is really proud of, of like how he goes out and finds coaches and builds his tree. Like he'll never call it a coaching tree publicly. Like he, I guess does not like that, but he's like, he really likes hiring people. Like he really likes going out and finding, um, finding coaches because he likes ideas and he likes, um, you know, he likes learning from people. He likes football. He loves football. Um, and so I think like that was one of the things he's disappointed in with himself is like, did I hire the right guys in some cases? Did I rush things in other cases? Did I throw somebody? And I would say probably, probably I would include Rashad in this. Did I throw somebody into a situation where, um, they maybe weren't set up with all the tools to be successful in, you know, 27 year old first year, first year NFL coach and, and probably one of the more isolating jobs on a football staff in terms of the way that the meetings are structured, in terms of the way the game plan is structured, in terms of the, the way that the communication is structured. Um, and then at the same time, you know, you have this like complete catastrophic implosion on the offensive line, which is directly connected to the run game which is directly, you know, connected to, you know, maybe a lack of, uh, of mentorship and communication between those two places. And, you know, it's, it all, all of this works or doesn't work together. Um, I think that there, it's just, he's going to have a long runway now to decide what he wants to do. I think changes are coming, whether it's guys taking new jobs or Sean McFay letting some people go. Um, I think both of those things will happen. And I also think that like he's looking all over, he's looking at all parts of this, not just the offense, but at the defense too. And some of the development of the younger players and moving parts and, and is good enough. Okay. Is being good. Okay. Or how can you turn a B into an A or an A into an A plus? I think he's got more time now to do that. And he was really, when I say he was reflective, he's really quite reflective on how the attrition sort of caught up to them this year. They lose so many coaches every year, a lot of it not through Sean McVay's own terms. And now a lot of this will be on his terms. I think that you're looking at coaches who are smart, who understand the lay of the land, who know that you know it's probably a best case scenario for both parties if they move to a new space. Um, that's not to say that's an overarching umbrella, for everybody um, who who will move to a new space, these college opportunities, like I said, there some of them are really really good opportunities. But it does seem like Sean McVay is going to have a lot more um, autonomy and and time to build this thing out and rebuild this thing out the way that he wants. One other thing, and I will just drop this in here before we close, is the fact that he's thinking about this stuff. I think bodes well for his twenty twenty three. Like he's thinking about how. He wants to to shape his staff for 2023 and a guy who's like ready to leave um, probably isn't thinking about it that way. Just saying. That's that's a very interesting point, Jordan. I actually hadn't thought about that because, yeah, that's obviously a, a topic of conversation here. Right. Is is what what is he going to do? Like, is, is Sean McVay coming back? So, yeah, you're right. It, it certainly doesn't. When you read the comments, doesn't sound like somebody who's about to uh 
to head out the door. So uh, that's a great point. I hadn't actually hadn't thought about that at all. Um, so yeah, fascinating stuff and really important stuff. And and again, like we talked about, maybe something that doesn't show up uh, every day, but but has a huge huge impact on on the development of this team and and the way that this organization uh, goes forward in what's going to be a very interesting off season. A little bit of a a break here. Uh, I know you never take any breaks, Jordan. So I know that uh, that nothing changes there. But uh, the Rams have a little bit of downtime now before they go. Speaking of former coaches, before they go to uh, Green Bay and and take on Matt Lafleur and the Green Bay Packers. So, like we said last week, even though uh, the record isn't uh, what Rams fans would hope, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. Certainly, we never expected. I loved the uh, the uh, joke somebody made on on Twitter, Jordan, saying, "Oh yeah, you guys didn't record your podcast on Monday because you knew this was going to happen." I was like, "Oh yeah, nope. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely." We saw it coming the entire way, just the way that we planned it. Uh, but that's uh, the thing you love about sports, and uh, that uh, unexpected things can happen. And uh, I have a feeling that over the last month of the season here, that uh, there's going to be more. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff to, to talk about. Uh, Jordan, fantastic job as always. I know we mentioned it earlier in the episode, but you've got to go to the athletic app and website. Check out the the, the column story that that Jordan wrote last night. Uh, won't go too inside baseball, but to pull something like that together, the night of a game amid all of the uh, the chaos that's going around. Uh, very, very impressive. So congratulations on, on writing that awesome story. I know our subscribers already know that. They are very well aware. But I also know, Jordan, that there are some out there who've been on the fence. I get it. I understand. But now's the time, folks. Now's the time. You can go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel right now. Give yourself a holiday gift. And that is a subscription to The Athletic, all of Jordan's awesome coverage over the next year. And, and you will get Jordan's favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount. You guys, every time you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you get my favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount. Guys, this was a crazy one. This was a crazy week. Um, the emotional roller coaster that is the Rams 2022 season continues. It's going to be an exciting last month here. Um, you know, the Rams, they're going to go out swinging. I think they've showed us that they've tried to show us that this whole time, but they really have showed us that in the last couple of weeks. And I think if you're a Rams fan, um, even amid like the trash fire that is this team's record, I think there's a lot of things that this group can build on again if they take the correct lessons. Um, from this. And Bobby Wagner said it really well earlier um, before going out to play Seattle. Um, you can build from this, but you decide how you build. You can build something good or you can build something bad. Either way, the tools are in your hands um, to build. And um, I think that that's, it, it's an interesting framing because there are a lot of lessons here, I think, for a lot of people on this staff, um, in this building. Um, I know us on the outside. I know me. I'm learning every day. Uh it's a different kind of learning than when you're covering a championship run, but it's it's a good learning all the same and certainly learning a lot um, from the people around me. I certainly love sharing what I learned with you guys. This has been fun. I mean, it's been it's been um, interesting, but it's been really fun. This year has been something else and wouldn't want to do it with any other group, but you guys um, really appreciate the coverage or excuse me, really appreciate you following along with the coverage. 
Rich and I are going to be back. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, what we call a mini buy. Um, and hopefully this podcast sustains you through weekend might jump on a live show at some point next week. But other than that, we'll catch you guys after the green Bay game. I will be there. I will be bundled up because now I'm soft <laughs> after living, after being back on the West coast for a few years, I have now become soft. So I'll be bundled up and in, in Lambo ready to bring you guys all the coverage you could want. Um, and hopefully some more exciting times. So guys, as always, hope you're taking care of yourselves. Hope you're taking care of each other. Stay hydrated. Stay caffeinated. Key phrasing in times such as this. And we'll catch you next time.